Yes. You are now listening to the sounds of sports reports as ordered. Mr. Logical and 2-5 in your building. You know what I'm saying? All these teams switching conferences, but we ain't switching nothing. We keeping it real for y'all out here in these streets. Tonight, starting to show off with Get It Off My Chest. Then we're going to transition to the NFC North, continuing our NFL predictions. Then we're going to talk about the U.S. Women's National Team. And then we're going to have some closing thoughts focused on some NIL slash some more conference realignment. So, Mr. Logical, man, we're getting closer to the season. We got some more preseason games this week. Before you know it, college football going to be here. My Seminoles going to be eating on some LSU Tiger. People are not going to be doing anything in a week, and I'm not going to Lowe's, Bed Bath to Beyond, none of that. <laughs> none of that. We're yeah, now I'm shopping on Friday. You see me Monday on my way to work. That's why. That's why I always tell the wife, man. Like, 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 I feel like wives just come with this radar. Like girlfriends don't have it. Wives have it. So, like, you just be chilling all day. You know, you might do some housework, some yard work. You got the game on in the background. It's like Northwestern against Illinois. You got it on just because it's football. Like, you know what I mean? She's sitting up there. She on the phone with her girls, you know, chatting and gossiping. And then you hear live from Bryant Denny Field in Tuscaloosa. The Tennessee Volunteers come to visit the Alabama Crimson Tide. We need to go to Walmart. Like, we need to do what? Like we need to do what? We need to do that three hours ago. Like, you know what I mean? Like it'd be, it'd be happening like that. Like literally, I was driving yesterday. I was coming home from work. I called the wife, Shane Answer. You know what I mean? I put on the Dan Levitard show. You know, my guy Stu Gotts came on with the weekend observations. Soon as he said, weekend observations brought to you by the phone just started ringing. And I was like, oh, you know, she was busy until Stu Gotts got on the mic. You know what I'm saying? It just be like that sometimes. Bananas, bananas. But yo, get it off my chest. So we've been talking about conference realignment. Mr. Logical will have you believe that I'm fixated on it. And I might be, you know, saying I love my college football. Yeah. It's my favorite sport. College football, greater sign, NFL. It just is right. what it is, right? See the beautiful mind with Russell Crowe is on the chalkboard right now. <laughs> the equation. That's Mike with this realignment. He's been on it for months. Every time he brought it up, I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Why would someone do that? <laughs> Tell me, man, it's going to happen. Oregon's going to be here. They're going to be playing games against Florida and here at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on CBS. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, all right, Mike, you got it. But, yo, all these latest reports got me figuring it out, right? Like, the ACC is the Army. ACC is the Navy. All Coast Conference. Not Atlantic Coast Conference. All Coast Conference. Because apparently – they're looking at the potential of adding Stanford and Cal to the ranks. So forget all that Atlantic stuff that you knew if this goes down, you know. So first of all, what are we doing college football? You know, college football became my favorite sport and it became near and dear to a lot of people because of the regionality and the close quarters of it. So, you know, growing up as a kid in Maryland, for example, Navy was down the road, but, you know, obviously I can't necessarily consider Navy to be a Maryland team, 
you know, so for us, it was Virginia. You know, that was the big deal. Like Maryland and Virginia get together. We're going to lock horns. We're going to slam ass. We're going to do all that stuff. You know, and I imagine, you know, growing up in Florida. Yes, I said slam ass. Growing up in Florida, you know what I mean? I imagine, you know, as a kid, you're like, yo, it's Florida, Florida State. You got to choose one. And then Miami was down here like, screw both of y'all. But it was just like, yo, this is what it is. It's proximity. Proximity breeds contempt. You know, this is college football. So then I'm sitting up here looking around, and I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So Oregon might travel to New Jersey. Like, hold on, hold on, hold on. UCLA is going to be playing in State College, Pennsylvania, and that's a conference game? Like, what are we doing? Like, at some point, there's got to be a point where you're just making too much money for this to make sense. You know what I mean? Like we keep we gonna get into it later in our closing thoughts, but everybody's talking about how NIL is gonna ruin the sport. The transfer portal is gonna do this and do that. No, what made college football a part of our fabric were these rivalries. And now I'm hearing that you know, Coach Mike Gundy is saying Bedlam's over. You know, Oklahoma going to the SEC, no more Bedlam. You know, we're out here. Not that it matters too much to so many people, but me and Mr. Logical was talking about this yesterday. Kansas and Missouri goes all the way back to the Civil War, and they haven't played each other since they switched conferences. Texas and A&M, when they play next year in the SEC, is going to be the first time they've played since, like, 2011. Make it make sense. So at some point, while we appreciate the fact that we may get more Washington against Michigan matchups, we may get more Oklahoma against LSU matchups. That all sounds great. But what difference does it make if you can't even have the bragging rights and slap your neighbor around? I mean, I think, like I said, we can always follow the money. That's always, I mean, it's an easy go-to, but if you if you think about it, it's just the money because the exposure is whatever. Like you're gonna be on TV, you're gonna be on Fox, CBS, ESPN, NBC, Fox Sports One. You're gonna be streamed. You're gonna be on Instagram. You're gonna be on Amazon. Like TV will get to the people. Sports will get to the people in some form or fashion on iPads, cell phones, Apple watches. You know whatever the Android users use to watch their you know sports on is gonna get to people. It's just a matter of like how much money am I getting from these big companies so they can get me as a team or me as a university or me as a, a program to these people. And once those numbers start coming in, like I said, we'll, we'll get into it. But with the difference between what San Diego State would get next year versus what Vanderbilt's going to get to put essentially the same product on the field. So, like I said, we'll get into those details. But, yeah, Mike's been on this for, for a while, man. He's been really beautiful minding it. You know what I mean? Goodwill hunting with the chalkboard, <laughs> piecing all this stuff together. Because, like I said, it does it doesn't make sense other than the simple answer of follow the money, which is boring. Because then our segment would only be two minutes. We're like, oh, just follow the money. It's like, all right, next well, time. And, and, and word on Dallas the street Cowboys. is, <laughs> and, and word on the street is that uh, by August fifteenth, before this deadline hits. We may hear that Florida State is going to be leaving the ACC, and then if we hear that, we're probably going to be hearing that my cousin Clemens, aka Clemson, is going, going to right be joining right with them. I don't know where they're going to go, but that's the word on the street right now. Hey, 
I said, we'll get into it. Uh, my get off my chest is a little different. It's, uh, it's about it's it kind of aligns with you know our our show and things like that nature. Mike made a Facebook page, Sports Sports, or everyone can check the page out. He makes a post, two vets, no gimmicks. We want to talk sports, and people just berated us, calling us scammers and posting memes and just just so much negativity on a page. I'm like. And I, I replied to one of the guys. I'm like, can you give me your thought process of how two vets <laughs> talking about sports on a free platform correlates with scamming? Obviously, you didn't reply because the negativity is like what catches people. I'm not going to lie. We moved to get it off my chest from the end to the beginning because I got advice from a, a good friend of mine. He was like, hey, he's like, people like that 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 confrontation early, which locks them in. And I'm not doing we don't do this to be negative, but, you know, it makes sense as far as like if, if you're going to do a two hour show, the first five minutes, you got locked people in the first five, ten minutes, you got locked people in. This is what we went with. So I'm thinking about all the negative vitriol that we got for just posting about our podcast. And then I see all of these videos and the memes and the replays of these violent fights on these docks. I believe it was like Alabama, maybe Louisiana, Alabama, Mm -hmm. Alabama, like people just making these memes and I get it. Yes. There was a fight between uh, like a black security guard and a white boulder. And then some other people jumped in and all these people ran in and that got shared so much on my page at the same time. I'm trying to get you and I are trying to get, our positive sports podcast shared and people aren't sharing it. Yeah. People are liking it. And I'm not knocking the people on my page. It was like, we boosted it out to people, just random people. Instead of them saying, you know what? This sounds like a cool idea. Let me check it out. And then let me share it with my friends. We get the vitriol. And then, you know, you have your own friends and the other people in your sports groups and everything else is like, they sharing the, the fight on the sports forum. Like that's not sport. You know, they try to quit it to wrestling because, you know, someone got hit in the head with a chair. I'm like, yeah, a grown man hit a woman in the head with a chair. But yet we want to post that. But we can't make a good or any kind of correspondence comment on a good positive sports cast by people you we correspond with on a daily basis. So stop with the negativity and then try to play victim. Stop sharing the negativity and not show any positivity and wonder why all you see is negativity, why the algorithm you get on your phone only shares negativity. Share some positivity. Share a positive comment on a sports podcast. Even if it's not ours, anything. Share something positive. Stop sharing this negative shit on the page and then wonder why people treat you differently, why people look at you funny. So I'm talking to black people straight up. Like, stop with the bullshit. Stop running around like we don't have any common sense. Because that's something I know every black person heard. Well, you better stop acting like you don't have no sense. You better stop acting like you ain't got no damn sense. Every black male on earth has heard that from somebody. Big mama, grandmama, an aunt and uncle, Leroy. Somebody has said that to you. But yet we keep running around sharing us acting like we don't have no damn sense. Let's get this shit together. Let's get right. And share something smart and positive, like two retired veterans who are trying to share positive messages about sports and not this nonsense vitriol, this nonsense rhetoric. We're coming up with great genius ideas. Listen, I know I'm blowing our podcast up, but we work hard on this. 
and other people work hard on this and other people in the podcast have other projects that they want to share. I'm pretty sure it's guys who make shirts. I'm pretty sure there's guys that have a barbershop business. I'm pretty sure there's guys that maybe have a lawn care business. Listen, we're in a sports group. We're in this fellowship. If you're always sharing negativity, people don't want to put that information out there because they're afraid it might get blasted. Someone's got a business in our group. They're like, yo, yo, appreciate, you know, the sports dialogue. But, yo, can y'all check out my lawn care business? Can you check out my financial advisory business? Can you check out my album? Whatever the case may be. But if we're always sharing negativity, we're never going to get to the point where people feel comfortable enough to share that. And they're only going to share negativity, memes by the chair. I'm like, just, just cut out the nonsense. Let's get right. Let's act like we got some damn sense. I'm just trying to figure out why grandmama used to always tell me that I was out of my cotton picking mine. I'm like, you could choose a, <laughs> you could choose some better shit than that. Yo, like, <laughs> I did not realize what that was until like recently. And I was like, because some announcer said it about <laughs> Russell Westbrook. And I saw it, yeah. I was like, that is funny. But oh yeah, and and and, and I gotta I got a quick one sentence, get it off my chest too. Baltimore Orioles do better. You know I love you. 70 and 42, best record in the AL and all that. And y'all going to suspend a dude, a broadcaster, for talking about how bad the Orioles usually play in Tampa. <laughs> it was like their first series win since like 2017 down there or something. And he said that on the broadcast, which was obviously given to him in the notes. You know what I mean? And they suspended him for bringing it up. Like, bringing up how bad they play in Tampa. It's the First Amendment. Like, come on, man. It's the first come one. On. The one everybody knows. Stop suspending people for what they say, man. Relax. Alright, Mr. Logical, man. Tell me how crazy I, I am for uh, saying that these Lions gonna win the North. I mean, I guess we both crazy, then. Oh. Because... Oh. Yeah, uh... Oh, <laughs> yeah, because I because I think like this, I, I have ever written now. I don't have many notes for Detroit because I, I think like, you know, from what I saw from the last year, I got him. But I, I got a note that says Dan Campbell, America's coach. I think people like him. I think I think that's just as important as a talent, because I've said this before. If you take every NFL team and you line them all up by position group, the offensive line is going to be about the same size. Atlanta's offensive line is probably the same size as New Orleans. And the Chargers' offensive line is probably the same size as Kansas City. But it's like, who operates better when it's time to play? You know, look at the four, the 40 times for most wide receivers, probably the same. But Devontae Adams just is better at the line of scrimmage, hence why he has, you know, 17, 18 touchdowns a year. You know, so it's all about, like, can you get – this group of 53 men, 45 who dress on Sunday, then you got the practice squad and the coaches. Can you get this group of people, you know, to to work together for a common goal? I think Dan Campbell, they finished the year eight and two, beating A.A. Ron and the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau on a fourth down call that was gutsy last game of the season. Knowing they're not gonna get in the playoffs Ooh. and deliberately said it at halftime. I oh, like, I wanted oh. to say that. <laughs> I'll save it. <laughs> no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You that said, was... listen, if we can't get in, they ain't getting in either. I mean, like normally you you would say that for the press conference after the game, like this is what I said to the team right, in the locker right. room. Misery he, said it to the, he said it to the report on the sideline on his way into the locker room. So these other guys haven't even heard it yet. He was like, Well, 
let's go ahead and ruin their season. Like, okay. And then co- make those calls in, in the cold with Jared Goff, who's just cast off from L.A., even though he took him to the Super Bowl. Um, I, I just I have a lot of faith in Detroit because, like I said, I think they they – I think they do the simple things well. Aggress. Everyone has to work on defense, and I'm pretty sure you're going to get into the stats. But I just, I just have faith in Detroit because I think his ability to galvanize the team. I think Jared Goff just. I've never seen him rattled. Good game, bad game. I just never seen him slam an iPad. I've never seen him yell at the offensive coordinator because he didn't like the running plays. I like even when they shipped them off from LA to Detroit. I don't think he said a negative thing about Sean McVay since he's been there, you know. So I think that that kind of calm mixed with the intensity. Well, I think that was the problem. He never said nothing negative about Sean McVay. He just said all the positive things about Sean McVay, girl. Listen, I, I think that's I think that's an extension. I think that's a, a compliment by uh, proximity. Like when someone says, like when your uncle says, "Nephew, that's you." When you show up to the family, <laughs> you with the girl. You, we know what that means, you know. Yeah. You know what that, okay, yeah. okay, yeah, she bad, yeah. Keep you. EJ drinking ass over there though, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like I said, I got I got a lot of faith in Detroit. Um, partly because I think they have faith in themselves, and then the other three teams. We'll get into like the specifics of them, but I, I think their faith in themselves and their success that they've seen recently, I think, will get them over the edge. Yeah. See, I was going to start off by saying, like, when you're trying to look at the NFL. You, you know that the NFL is the biggest league when it comes to changeover every year. You know, as far as these teams made the playoffs, somebody's not going to make it. Or, you know, in the NBA, for the most part, most teams that make the playoffs are going to make the playoffs next year as well. 67% of the league makes the playoffs right. in the NBA. So. Right. So in the NFL, like, there's always that change, especially, like, your division. The NFC South was always famous from going last to first. Yeah. You know, so I was looking at this division. So I was going to say the two reasons that I picked Detroit to win this division is that Dan Campbell comment. So just the mentality and culture that he's setting there. So like back in the 80s and 90s when we were kids, you know, that was what was it? The uh, the black and blue division and the Bears were the monsters of the midway. That division, the toughest team just always won that division. And I feel like Dan Campbell is bringing that back to some degree. Like he's bringing back the toughness or at least the machismo of that division. And, you know, the bravado, what, like the, right, the bravado, you, right. You, you, you need that. You need that edge. When, like I said, when everything's pretty much even with players, like somebody has to have the edge. And I think that's the edge. The other part of that was what everybody else lost. You know, Green Bay lost Aaron Rodgers. You know, Minnesota, Minnesota released Dalvin Cook. You know, Eddie Kendricks is gone. Adam Thielen is gone. Uh, Zadarius Smith is gone. So, you know, so Minnesota just lost a lot. And even though I love the fact that they gained Brian Flores as the defensive coordinator, you know, they lost a lot. So on top of that, you know, when I look at this division, you know, I've been looking at free agents, you know, drafts, who have you guys brought in? So Detroit, for example, was awful on pass defense last year. Well, they were just awful on defense altogether. Like there was just no no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's what made the Green Bay game so odd at the end of the year 
because I know you were talking about um, Aaron Rodgers and his lack of 300-yard games. 275-yard games. Or, yeah, 275-yard games. There yeah. you go. So, so, so you know, as I look at Detroit, they revamped their secondary. You know, they, they brought in three big secondary pieces. You know, they brought in CJ, you know, Gardner Johnson for Philly, you know, um, who – you know, had a, has 11 picks in his 55 NFL games. They went and got Emmanuel Mosley from San Francisco, who has a lot of talent. He's been injured a lot, but he has a lot of talent. They went and got Cam Sutton from the Steelers. So just in the secondary alone, That's they've kind of they, – yeah, they solidified, especially for team a team that might have to double Justin Jefferson – you know, and, and they got Jordan Addison, Minnesota, you know, as a rookie. Um, they went and got Jack Campbell out of Iowa to help shore up the linebacker. They got the defensive rookie of the year, Aiden Hutchinson. You know, so they already got that. Even though their defense was bad, he was excellent. So now you're adding pieces around him. Candidate. Sauce won it, right? I thought Sauce won it. I thought Aiden won it. I have to, I have he to was, double check I think that. He was, I think he was up there. Okay. But he definitely was like you know if he wasn't if he wasn't first, he was definitely second. So yeah, he's up there. Yeah, I'll look that up as I'm going through this. So then so then uh you had um Detroit was number 23 against the pass last year. So I was talking about their bad defense, and they were 26th against the run. So you know, just from that standpoint, they can't I would think they can't be any worse. You know, but but when I look at Minnesota, we talked about or I talked about how slow their secondary was. You know, um Jeez. and yeah, it was uh it was Hutchinson. Uh Hutchinson won it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Uh but but yeah, so so Thielen's gone, you know, Mr. Reliable. I do like Jordan Addison, but you don't lose a guy like Adam Thielen and not feel it somewhere. I just put it like that. Uh, they, their secondary is still slow, and they lost Patrick Peterson. You know, they lost Zadarius Smith, like I said, who had 10 sacks. Him and Hunter Andrews. together, yeah, him and Hunter together were one of the four duos last season that both averaged double digit sacks. So that's going to be a big loss. But the biggest thing for Minnesota for me was that they won these 11 games, these 11 close one score games. And usually that transitions year to year in the NFL. Like the team that goes six and three and four point or less games might go two and four next year. You know, so those games are going to reverse. But then you don't get that goal line fumble that turns into a touchdown like you did against Buffalo last year. That doesn't that doesn't happen two years in a row. Or the catch. You know, or the catch. The catch to even get him in a position. Yeah. Yeah. That ball then was nowhere near the ground. Yeah, so 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 when you look at that, you know, you look at a team that all the games that they did lose, they lost by at least 10 points. So we're talking about a team that went 13 and 4 and their point differential was negative 3. Yeah, I have that written down too. I don't they buy that coming into the season. They, yeah, they gave yeah. up more points than they scored and went 13 and, and 4. And then right? real quick, I'm going to in a row. I'm going to get into some more stuff, but I'm going to turn it back over to you. But just real quick, you know, for Green Bay, what is Jordan Love? You know, I hear everybody say around Green Bay, they say that his play recognition is great. And, like, when you come to him, 
you know, you're seeing the defense and he'll tell you flat out what the defense is doing. That's great. But can he make the play? We don't know the answer to that. Maybe he can. But at this moment, we don't have that answer. In Chicago, I've seen Justin Fields overshoot too many wide open receivers. I would hope that gets better this year with uh, DJ Moore. But I do like some of the Bears pickups. They went and got TJ Edwards from Philly. They went and got Tremaine Edmonds from Buffalo. Both great pickups. So maybe losing Roquan Smith is not going to be as bad as I thought it was going to be originally. But as those the numbers that I gave you for Detroit about their even defense, Chicago. Chicago's even worse. They're 28th. They were, they were 28th. Which is the and, most un-Chicago thing you could think of where the, their defense is worse than Detroit, well, like substantially well, worse. Right, like, right. Spots lower. They, they were 28th in defensive completion percentage. So quarterbacks completing percentage against their defense. 69.8% of the passes were completed against their defense. Seven out of ten passes. You know, and then you A know play drive where you throw the ball all ten times. Yes, complete seven. Yes, you know that's tough. And then and then when you when you know, just to put the bow on it, you know, when you look at it like that, you're saying, Why is that happening? Well, duh, they're not getting pressure on the quarterback. So hopefully those two pickups that I just mentioned. We'll help with that. The so we if we go to Green Bay, is the Green Bay has questions at coach. Ooh, and do they? And and this like I read this in the athletic is something I was Ooh. thinking about as well. I want to give credit to the athletic. Bomb shell, Fort Master Flex. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, an article written by give us due. So Facebook doesn't flag us again for some copyright that we have no idea what they're talking about. Uh, Randy Mueller, he wrote this article last month. Matt LaFleur probably has a great offensive package. But we don't know how much of it was his play calling and Aaron Rodgers' talent or if Aaron was like, we're not running these plays or I don't like this. So let's change it to something that I like, because if you think about it, I don't know. I know the first year under Matt LaFleur, I think Aaron went like 26 touchdowns, maybe like eight picks. It was like a 10 picks or something. It was like, and that's when he said, you know, my down season is some other guy's best seasons. And then he went back and had back to back MVP years. I'm not sure if he ran it the same way he did in that 26 touchdown year as he did in those back-to-back MVP years. I think he looked at Matt like, listen, we're not running that stuff. We're going to run these. We're going to fix this. We're going to tweak this so it looked more like Mike McCarthy's offense just being called by Matt LaFleur. And they had Devontae back then too. And they they had Devontae healthy, ready to go. MVS was was there, you know, every once in a while dropping a deep post pass and I get another pass for the rest of the game. But Jordan Love is going to run whatever Matt LaFleur tells him to run. So we talk about, like, we see, like, Twitter posts of, you know, Josh Allen throwing some crazy deep passes, Stephon Diggs at practice. You'll see Joe Burrow throwing some crazy crossing route to Jamar Chase, whatever the case. You'll see all these highlights. I haven't seen a highlight leaked from Packers camp 
of Jordan Love making an unbelievable throw yet. Normally, because they did it with Trey Lance, but then people were like, that ball was kind of wobbly, so they stopped posting them because they were posting a lot with <laughs> Trey Lance when they made that deal. San Francisco was making a lot of those posts, and people were like, that looks like a duck. Like, that throw doesn't look right. His mechanics look off, and they stopped posting them. They stopped. They stopped sharing those videos because it's like, yeah, it does. It doesn't look as good as Mahomes. It ain't pretty. That passes the trash can. So we see Kelsey punching dudes in the head. We see all these things come out. Even Atlanta's posting videos of B. John Robinson cooking our linebackers. I haven't seen one from Jordan Love. Maybe, maybe it's out there, but I haven't seen it on any of the any of the platforms that we look at. So I don't know if he's if it's enough for them to get over the hump because Jared Goff is fully ingratiated into the Dan Campbell system. I think the Kevin Connell and Kirk Cousins, I think they, you know, I think their marriage is working out. And I think Justin Fields, there's questions there because they have a defensive head coach, but he has, he has new weapons. You know, you can move Mooney back to the slot. Claypool is your number two. DJ Moore is your number three. I mean, on Madden, if people play with Chicago on Madden, it's going to be a problem because that's a lot. To well, cover. I imagine DJ is going to be the number one. Yeah, DJ is going to be number one. Claypool's yeah. going to be your two. Moody's yeah. going to be your slot guy. Yeah. So if Justin Field just has to throw the ball, I watched a lot of his games because, you know, we're streaming these games. So I like I like to pick the exciting games. I watch, you know, Arizona games. I watch, obviously, you watch the Kansas City games. I remember watching the Washington-Chicago game. Thursday night, I, baby. And I knew he was supposed to throw. It was probably like 10 pass plays where his first read, he was supposed to let the ball go and he pump faked. I was like, and then he ended up scrambling and getting thrown like some jump pass and getting hit. So he kept picking himself up off the turf and he was like, oh, he looks like a warrior out there. I'm like, not if he just throws it to the tight end in the flat. Hit the check down. Just let the ball go. Like, like you don't have five seconds behind any NFL offensive line, no matter how good they are. Patrick Mahomes can do that pump fake, but then he's rolling deep. Like he's his rollout is like 15 yards and he's getting plenty of space before well, he throws a ball. Well, that's Justin my thing. Fields yeah. is trying to roll in the pocket and he just kept getting rocked. And it's like, well, that's my thing with the Bears. And that game alone, he had two throws that lost that game. You know, I mean, I ain't blaming the whole game on him, but if he, but those passes were complete. They might even beat Washington by more than one score, you know. And to your point, maybe having DJ Moore, somebody more reliable, will help that out. Because I like their tight end too, Cole Komet. I like him too. So yeah, and know. it was like he was running. It was so many plays where he was running wide open on like the drag route. I'm like, yo, that has to be the read. Because I'm just looking at like, listen, I'm not a football aficionado. But I was watching, like, his whole hip would turn and he would pump. Like, he would like, nope, that's not it. I'm like, dog, that was it. Because he did it so many times. I was like, that was where you got to make the throw at some point. You got to let that ball go because he would he would do it and then turn and some defensive tackle, because Washington had a great defensive front, would just smash him in his chest. I'm like, dog, stop taking those hits. Well, but I don't know if the I don't know if the coach has the offensive cachet to let him know that maybe DJ Moore can give him some tips because you, you'll see what happens with like when Tom Brady got Randy Moss and he threw for 50 touchdowns. It wasn't just because Randy Moss is wide open every time. Randy probably says stuff to him like, listen, if I get a guy, if I'm running a post 
if a guy's even with me, just let it go. If you see that hand go up. If, if you see the hand go up, <laughs> let it go. So DJ Moore might be telling like, listen, on these routes, if I'm running the if I'm running the inside, you know, I'm running the inside dig route. Once he's like, if I get to here and the cornerback is leaning too far out, just know I'm gonna be open. So just let the ball go. Cause I, I yeah. think sometimes you might need that information. Like, yo, like, yo, this 50 50 is 70 30. Yeah. Like, yo, he's, he's playing me outside technique, the single high safety. I'm going to cut this route off at 10 yards versus 13. So if you see that, I'm going to, if I see the safety drop and like we're playing cover three or whatever, like I'm going to get to here. Just, I'm going to cut it short. Just let me know. Like, mm-hmm. like the option routes, like what Kelsey mm-hmm. and uh, Mahomes do all the time. It's like I saw, they were wired up once or they were mic'd up and Kelsey was in the end zone and the route where he's supposed to go towards the goalpost. And he just turned and stopped and went back to his left. And Mahomes had already let the ball go. And so the defender was like in la la land and he caught it and they went to the sideline he's like how'd you know i was gonna do that he's like i don't know he's like i didn't know it either until i turned around <laughs> he's like i just like i just he's like i just saw that that was like it just looked like that was going to be way more open than the original route he was like just turn and stuff he's like he turned he was like boom and it was right there like the ball was already gone like he just knew so i think that kind of conversation with dj Moore, claypool i think he's a big personality i think he will like demand the ball, he'll demand a jump ball like 6'4, 220, 225. I mean, he has weapons. Are they gonna let him go? Are they gonna tell him to stop running? Because in the Atlanta game, he cramped up and couldn't run. Mm-hmm. So Atlanta dropped eight dudes in the coverage and like back-to-back plays, and he just couldn't run. He was just done because he was running around so much. So I mean, they well, can finish second or fourth in the division, and that's that's the difference. It's like well, well, the good news, the good news for Justin Fields and Jordan Love is sometimes a young quarterback's best friend is that run game. So, you know, Jordan Love has Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Justin Fields in Chicago, you mentioned his weapons. He has Deontay Foreman coming in, you know, coming off a four and a half yards to carry, you know, 915 yards this past season. You know, they got McCaffrey after the trade and Carolina looked better. Yeah, they got a guy that I really, really like. He was only a fourth-round draft pick. But, you know, B. John Robinson, you know, well, then there's Rashawn Johnson, who couldn't see the field at Texas because B. John was in front of him. But I like Rashawn a lot. You know, 392 carries in college, one fumble. And he was a quarterback originally. So, you know, he brings a different element, I think. You know, he's not going to wow you. He's not going to be the sports center electric running back, but he does break tackles and he fights for yards. So he brings back some of that toughness that I was talking about in the black and blue division, you know, so Chicago has that going for them. Um, We talked about their defense being awful, you know, uh, Justin Fields for everything that we can say about him from his rookie year to year two. Now, granted, he didn't start all the games in his rookie year, but from rookie year to year two, his touchdowns did go up by 10 and his interceptions was only up by one and three more games played. So that's a good sign, you know, and especially with the yards that he was running for. Hopefully they don't run him to death this season because he might not survive this time around. But Yo, Jordan, they got to stop. 
But Jordan Love, the reason why I picked Chicago to finish last behind Green Bay is because while Justin Fields and Jordan Love have those running backs, those running games that I was talking about, I think I like Green Bay's defense the best in the division. You know, like if they if you had to rank it, you know, offensively, I would go, you know, Detroit, Minnesota, but you can switch those on a given Sunday, you yeah. know, and then we just don't know about Green Bay. So for the moment, I'll rank Chicago's cool. offense ahead of, yeah, ahead of Green Bay just off of what we know. And then looking at the defenses, it's like Green Bay, and then it's like who? Like, you you know, it, it, I don't even know which one is the second-best defense. Because, I mean, Detroit probably this year just because of the additions that I talked about. But just going off of what we saw last year, Green Bay definitely has the defense in that division. So maybe yeah, – but they have the defense, and last year they had Aaron Rodgers, and they still didn't make the playoffs. Because the well, well, I was going to get to that. Well, I was going to get to that. Didn't line up, yeah. Well, well, the problem is, is that Green Bay ran into what I like to call Peyton Manning syndrome. You know, where first and goal at the one, throw. Second and goal at the one, throw. Third and goal at the one, throw. Fourth and goal at the one, throw. You know, so when you got Aaron Rodgers, you try to force these things. When you got Aaron Jones right there. So I think they're going to use Aaron Jones in ways that they weren't using him. Yeah, but does Jordan Love get you? Does Jordan Love get you in the red zone? That's what we got to find often out. Often enough, like that's what we got to find out. Thing. So it's like we we I remember like I play Madden and one of the commentators like on Granite's AI, but he talked about you know if you keep throwing interceptions and the defense has to keep coming back on the field. They gonna say something to you. Like this is this is like Madden. I was thinking about it. It's like it's tough because I re- like even my son's youth football team. I remember like he had a coach that just had this idea. Like he was he thought he was like El- Air Coriel and he was gonna have all these plays. Was like <laughs> here we go, fourth down. Like just punt it. Now nah, we're gonna go for it. Fourth and eleven, and you get and you run this play that loses two yards. Like that that play doesn't work in practice. It's not going to work in the game if it doesn't work in practice. And then the defense has to go back out there. And then it's like, all right, defense, let's make a stop. Like, all right, offense, let's move the ball. Yeah, that reminds like, me. <laughs> like, move the ball. Like, you you have to – like, it's it's a joint effort. It's like, we're, we're doing our part. Like, that, that you re- got to <laughs> do your part. That reminds me real quick. That reminds me of a story my boy Curtis was telling me. Uh, Curtis Smith, he was telling me he was coaching intramural. And there was this wife that would be like, how come you don't never play my husband? And so he put the dude in the game and he came out there and like bricked it, hit like the backboard, no rim. And then he looked at her and goes, that's why I don't play your husband. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know but, but yeah, like, uh, but you know, uh, but Jordan How Love. emasculating is that though? Like, I know. Mad people heard that. Man, like, I know. Cause the gym, it echoes. Like it's yeah. not much in the gym. There's no walls, there's no soundproof. Like how can you play my husband? And then your husband go out there and then like, come on. Like, but that's but that's my point though is that like you leader. know like Jordan Love does have he has weapons as well maybe not as many because you know uh, Justin Fields has DJ Moore now you know but Christian Watson is a weapon you know like there was a stretch where he had seven touchdowns in four games during last season you know so so like they have a chance depending on how going back to your point how is how is 
Lafleur? I was about to say Nick Fleur. How is Lafleur going to get Christian Watson the ball? Get your playmaker the ball, you know. But uh, what I wanted to focus on real quick uh, as well. So I was looking at all these schedules for these teams, and I was trying to figure out stretches of their schedules that's going to tell the story. So with Detroit, for example, we gonna find out right away because they go to Arrowhead to start the season. And then they play That's Seattle and they play Seattle in week two, you know, and last year there's your motivation. Seattle was the game that basically knocked them out the playoffs last year, you know, so that 45 to 42 game. Now they get their comeback, their rematch, you know, for Minnesota. Um, let's see for Minnesota, you know, um, their schedule, the first seven weeks, this isn't in order, but in the first seven weeks, they I got it right here. Well, well I'm just I'm just going name teams like so within the first seven weeks, they play at Philly, they play yeah. the Chargers, they play Kansas City, and they go to San Francisco. No, they got San Francisco at home. No, no, I'm just saying they oh okay. Oh, it's at home. Okay. But, 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 but the but, point being but but it's Monday night. You know, but the Kirk Prime Cousins. Time Kirk Cousins. Yeah. But the point being so. the, the point being. If they don't, if they don't go at least two and two in that stretch, and maybe you could argue three and one, then Detroit might get a leg up in this division real early. Uh, Green Bay, I don't know who came up with Green Bay's schedule. They 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 must have thought Aaron Rodgers was still on the team because starting in week ten, you know they they uh, start at Pittsburgh or they play Pittsburgh. They got the Chargers. They got the Lions on the road. They got the Giants in week 14. And, oh, by the way, Kansas City's right in the middle of that. So whoever, like, they must have thought Aaron Rodgers was coming back when they made that schedule or, like, the deal ain't happened yet or something. Because I don't know why they would do that to Jordan Love, why they do that. And then (laughs) – I think think they have a a favorable – I mean, you can't. No, the rest of the right schedule out, is okay, but but just yeah, that. You stretch. come right out the gate. You go Chicago, Atlanta, New Orleans, Detroit. You could, in theory, you could be zero and four, two and two in that stretch. I wouldn't go three and one. I can see them potentially winning at Chicago, and just being honest, I can see them winning at Atlanta because. But- the defense is opportunistic. Mm-hmm. They still they have great corners, speed corners. Mm-hmm. And like I said, week two is Atlanta's vertical passing game going to stretch the defense. If, if if they're playing eight guys in the box, even with the three headed monster at running back, you know, you might you might be they might start out two and oh. Well, you know crazy. What, what I was gonna say, you know what's crazy is looking at the Bears schedule. If Justin Fields takes the leap that we think he can take. You could find a four and one path to start the season because they got Green Bay at home to start out. They go to Tampa against your favorite quarterback, Baker Mayfield. You know, they're going to lose that arrowhead, of course. Mm-hmm. They get Denver at home. And the only reason I bring that up, the only reason I bring nah, that up is Denver we saw, we, 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 saw we, we saw we saw Russell Wilson last year. You know, like Sean Payton, I know, is the quarterback whisperer and all that stuff. If they were going to mile high, I would say yes, like mark that as an L. But coming to Soldier Field, I'm just saying, keep your eye on it. And then at Washington, week five. 
if Denver would have averaged 19 points, Nathaniel Hackett would have been coach of the year. <laughs> they so, would have been like 12 and five. Uh, like if they would have averaged 19 points offensively, uh, they would they that that first stretch of the year where like they were they were terrible against the 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 field goal against Seattle, the the game against the Colts. Another game, I think they they won the game against San Francisco when Jimmy Garoppolo went out the back of the end zone. But all I think I'm they won that is, game eleven to ten. All, all, all I'm got, saying I is, never beating them there. All I'm saying is, if I'm a Bear fan, if I'm a Bear fan, I'm looking at those first five games and I'm saying, Coach, can you get us at least the three and two? Who's your three? Packers, Broncos, Packers, Commanders, uh, P- Packers, Tampa, Commanders. Can you get me those three at the very least? Home with the Packers open up at Tampa Bay with their quarterback conundrum they got going on. Yeah, like what if it's not even Baker? Like what if they start Kyle Trask? <laughs> Todd Bowles is a, a yeah, methodical defensive guy. He's gonna start Baker. He's gonna Mayfield. start Baker Mayfield. They're both but, they're both gone at the week six. We we went over the NFC South stuff. But, but, yeah. but they lose, but they lose that arrowhead, obviously. You know what I mean? Maybe they lose to Denver, but I think of it more as a toss-up just because it's at Soldier Field. And if you could beat Washington, which they should have last year, if you could, yeah. if you could, if you could beat Washington starting a first-year quarterback, you know, or whatever, then you line up Week Six against Minnesota at home. You'll probably lose, bless you. But that's one of those games where you're kind of like, hey, you know what? We're in this. And then after the Minnesota game, what do you got? You got the Raiders. So after those, so after week seven, can you be four and three? And by week by October twenty second, you're probably gonna have a second string Raiders quarterback. That's what I'm saying. Jimmy Garoppolo, he he he'll hit his hand on a helmet, or he'll get his foot stepped on, and he'll miss. It just it just he has weird injuries. He looks healthy all the time. Like Andrew Luck, always I always thought he was healthy, but you could just tell he was always. <laughs> He always has something on his shoulder or a knee mm-hmm. brace or something. Jimmy Garoppolo goes out there. He looks like a super happy, healthy guy. He's always in a nice T-shirt, just throwing off on the side <laughs> field. And then you no, hear, Sam, oh, yeah, yeah, all foot surgery. Yeah. Bootleg George Clooney. You never see him in a boot, though. Always got a surgery. Never see him in a sling. Yeah. Never see him in a boot. But he always missing time for surgeries. It's like. All right. So check this out, right? And, it, and like I said, this is at best. This is just wishful thinking on my part, just looking at their schedule. So, so. At the end of week seven, after the end of the Raiders game, can Chicago be four and three? Right? If they can, if they can, let's look at the close of their schedule. Starting with week 15, Cleveland, Arizona, Atlanta, Green Bay. Can I go three and one there? So that gets you seven wins, and maybe you steal a Panthers game. New Orleans, maybe. Maybe, you maybe know. the Chargers throw you one. That's but what that I'm saying. Like, game. So best case scenario, if I'm a Bear fan, can I get eight wins? But more than likely, I mean, I would say no. But I'm just saying, best case scenario. I, I would say, like, I, I think the I think the head coach, quarterback marriage. I don't know if it works, so. Realistically, I give you five and twelve. That's what I got them as. So I got I got Detroit. I got Detroit eleven and six. I got Minnesota ten and seven, and I got Green Bay and Chicago both five and twelve. 
So it's just and and that's the thing. Like you have hope and optimism, but we've gotten we had the one year of Matt Nagy with Andy Dalton mixed in, sprinkled in. I think a little Nick Foles, maybe Justin Fields. Yeah, I think that, they started the Peter that. Man one of the games. Yeah, they they had that little that little situation. Matt Nagy's back in Kansas City. They get Matt Eberflus, and I couldn't point him out. Like I haven't, I didn't see him at the podium. I don't like is the way Travis Kelsey couldn't point out Josh McDaniels. Like I couldn't, I don't know what Matt Eberflus looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure. Like I said, I, I watched a lot of the games, and we could talk about all those rush yards that Justin Fields had. But it's like, as a coach. Why is the head coach not telling the starting quarterback, throw the ball, throw the ball, stop running the ball, offensive coordinator, get him on the edge, but give him two routes to throw the ball. Like get him, get the ball out of his hand. After that Washington game, the entire, like they were at home. They should have slept on it that night and woke up in the morning, offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, head coach, starting quarterback. In a room, listen, you are not to take that many hits in a game ever again. We don't hit you at practice. You go all offseason, don't hit the quarterback, but yet we watch these games and they just keep calling plays for the quarterback to get hit. Buffalo, (laughs) Baltimore, (laughs) Chicago, Los Angeles is doing it with uh, Justin Herbert. Mm -hmm. Trevor Lawrence isn't getting hit that much. Yeah. Like, I get it. Just give it – just go direct snap. Just go wildcat. If you want to tr- trick the – no, just go wildcat. Put the quarterback on the sideline. It's third and four. We running this ball. We're lining up. My 1,800 pounds of beef up front, my 220-pound running back, and we're going to get this 12 feet, and then we're going to bring the quarterback on the field. I'm not even trying to be cute with it. Like, no. Mm-hmm. I'm giving – I'm about to give this guy – Justin Fields' extension is going to be available after next season – Joe Burrow's extension is now Trevor Lawrence. These guys are going to get $270 million. I don't only show the pads I want to touch you are the ones you put on. Mm-hmm. That's it. The only helmet I want near your head is the one that has the green sticker on the back so I could call plays to you. I don't want <laughs> to get hit at all. It's going to happen. So why am I calling plays? I should Daniel Jones shouldn't have had 700 yards rushing last year. It's not a weapon. You have running backs. Give these other dudes the ball. Stop putting these – because, like, you're going to be 5-12. and Because, like I said, that Atlanta game, it was it was two plays where it was him standing in the pocket and Grady Jarrett was doing this with the guard in the center and then somebody on the edge was just quarterback contained because he was so exhausted and his hamstrings were so tight and he was cramping up that he couldn't even scramble. It was like third and seven. We had everybody at the goal line. Just like, <laughs> you can't, we know you can't run because he ran so much in the first three quarters that in the, that those final couple of drives, and it was a possession game. It was like they needed a touchdown, and he couldn't run. He was mm-hmm. on the sidelines cramping up. They're giving him Gatorade and everything else, but it's like he literally just was standing there just like trying to get this ball to one of four receivers and it's literally eight dudes just standing on the goal line like this, like that, the, the, right. the car dealership. Right. So if they don't fix that, and we'll know, like I said, we'll, we'll pull up pull up their schedule real quick. Yeah, and, I, and while you're doing that, I wanted to give Minnesota some credit because I forgot to mention that they did sign Marcus Davenport. 
you know, from New Orleans. And, from New Orleans, yeah. And they, and they did get uh, Byron Murphy from Arizona. So so I'll give them the credit for that. They brought in Brian Flores as the defensive coordinator. I think so, Brian Flores yeah. is going to be huge. That's yeah. going to be huge for them. But yeah, but but yeah, but but I got two words. You know, we talked about the eleven games that they, the close games that they won, and everything. You know, the reason that I don't believe in Minnesota this year can be summed up in one name: Jeff Saturday. That tells you everything about the Viking season last year. <laughs> That's why I can't trust Minnesota this year because they got bailed out by Jeff Saturday. I cannot believe he got a job in the NFL as a head coach, literally from TV to the sideline. No training camp, no OTAs, no draft. In the middle of the season, there's dudes on the staff already. He could have brought him. He could have brought him in to be a close advisor. And giving him more power than we think, like the way Nathaniel Hackett had some former high school mentor coach that he had or college mentor up there helping him manage the game. But, bro, if you wanted to do somebody like, so look, check it out, right? If you're like, you know, Ursay. Trying to do a favor. Yeah. I was trying to I was, do a favor. Well, for well I, was, I was trying to think of a derogatory term to call him. But, but like, but as you think about, but if you think about Ursay, and let's just say hypothetically, he was like, hey, we won, we won a Super Bowl. We were a successful franchise. We have the opportunity to bring in someone from that culture to try to galvanize these guys. And then I'm like, who's that on the sideline? Is that Reggie Wayne? Yeah, he wore number eight. He was right there. He was he right the there. Touchdown. He was already yeah. on the staff. You caught the just, touchdown in your Super Bowl. You could have just hired Reggie Wayne. Like I mean, he also ran the wrong route in the other Super Bowl, but that's I mean, I mean, that's yeah, yeah, I mean, he's human. But Peyton Manning does crack under pressure. You know he's here, like but 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 no, but but like you had Reggie Wayne right there to Shout where you Peyton Manning. to where like if the argument because you know I know the big argument was like that went into the black coach thing where it was like he he hired Jeff Saturday and I'm like look I get it black coach he hired Jeff Saturday it was, it's an interim coach boy. it's an interim coach Jeff first Saturday of all. was his boy. and I don't know how many interim coaches get the job anyway. So 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 let's just hypothetically say he did hire Reggie Wayne for, as the interim coach, and then Reggie doesn't get the job. We would have complained about that too. So like you know, well the Jeff Saturday, <laughs> the, reason, the reason the Jeff Saturday thing, the the hiring of Jeff Saturday, I don't even, I like to me. There's no racial component to it. Like I don't feel like because you have an opening, you have to hire a black coach. Right, right, right. I look at it like it's not like you are a a company that operates by hiring hiring people from the outside anyway. Like Mike, shout out to Mike, just got a new job. That happens in the, the corporate world. You do interviews and you move people in and then you ingratiate yourselves into the organization, whatever the case may be. But with something like that, it's like if you were if you were a project, if you were managing like a a bit like an architect and you imagine like a, you know managing a build of like you know some condos, you wouldn't just bring in some random architect when you had like other people already there from the beginning because you had maybe had to get rid of the lead architect for whatever reason you already had people there in the trenches literally building this 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 these condos from the ground up then you would move one of them in a position because they already they were at that meeting three weeks ago right they they were at the they were on the conference call when they talked about how much the lumber was going to cost so Instead of bringing somebody in and basically trying to fill them in, he got to fill them in on every player. 
every practice squad player, all the plays, the concepts. Who do you have here? Who went to school here? Who's on your staff? Who's called plays before? Who's a good defensive coach? He had to learn all that in a week. And I think they won that game against the Raiders, his first game, right? They won against the Raiders. And then he poorly managed the clock. I think the, the Pittsburgh game. They played Philly I, really well. I remember the Pittsburgh game. And they're getting off topic, but, you know, we'll do that. I remember the Pittsburgh game. There was over two minutes left. And they were on the, theirs. They're on the Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. Side. That was the Monday night game. Mm-hmm. And. I don't know. I don't know if I just got distracted and like I left my room where the game was playing, and then I came back, and they were shaking hands, and Pittsburgh had won, and I was like, they didn't get points out of that. Like, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember what the score was, but I remember that it might have been a field goal. It was something reasonable, and it was like two thirteen, two fourteen left, and they were already on in Pittsburgh territory, and I was like. How'd they not get points? And my dad being a Colts fan, he he didn't even talk about it. Like he just was just like he just was sick. He just was sick of the whole thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think the the Jeff Saturday hiring is is a is the, is the opposite of effect of what Dan Campbell's doing in Detroit. He those guys, like that first press conference, we were all like, this dude's out of his mind, he's gonna get fired. I love it. On. We're going to bite kneecaps. We'll get back down and go knock us down. We're going to get back up again. I was like, what is this dude talking about? I loved it because, you know, man, you always talk about sports and how, like, personalities are gone. Like, you know, everybody's a robot. You know, everybody says the right yeah. thing. Yeah, they you clone know. Tyrone type of interview. <laughs> like, come on. But I, but I was but I was here for, for him. I was here for him. You know, I didn't. I didn't like him getting the job when he got it just because, like, I believe he was, like, an offensive line coach or something like that. So I didn't like it from that standpoint off of, like, what did you do to get this job? But if but he went to the media and said, I'm biting off kneecaps. Like, I was like, yo, I'll go play for him tomorrow. We'll try that out. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and, and oh, by the way, side note, sentence, get it off my chest. I'm tired of these commanders players talking about Eric Bieniemy is too harsh. You know, said they would they would hate Dan Campbell, I guess. Maybe he is. I don't know what that means. To it. I don't know what that means. And maybe I'm just too old school in my thinking. You know what I mean? But I just think like, like so so like as an airman, right? Joining the military, right? Um, I didn't know much about the military before I joined it. But yeah. what I but what I did know was there were gonna be long days and somebody was gonna yell at me a lot. Those were the two things I knew about the military. Yeah. So 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 when we became my dad was yelling at me two weeks before I left for basic training in my house. So yeah, so, I'm, so I'm prepared for this. Yeah. So when we became NCOs and senior NCOs, and then we assumed that position, so to speak. And the first time I raised my voice at somebody and they cried, I didn't know what to do because I was just like, what did you think about the military before you joined it? Because obviously, oh, I, had, they, I had a dude cry. I didn't you know because things change over time. You know what I mean? Like we, you know, like it's a different society now than it was when we were airmen. You want to know what I said to him? I'm like, we in Iraq and you in a truck crying about how some dude on your shift is treating you. This is ridiculous. Toughen up. No, I just told the dude. I treated him. I treated him like I tell my eight year old. I said, grown man. I said, 30 years old with three kids and a wife. And you're like, you're in this truck crying because some dude on your shift doesn't like you. I'm like, listen, man, we got bigger problems. 
We are literally in the middle of Iraq. Like, nah, I told the dude, you, you, need, you need to focus. Like, we could talk it out, but you're not gonna sit here and cry. No, nah, the dude couldn't focus because his girlfriend broke up with him. And I told yeah, him, it was just four and a half billion more. Just, just like, just like I tell my eight year old son, I said, go in the bathroom and come out when you're done. You know, say, oh, no. go, go handle I, that. Come back I, and then come back. I give it to you right there on the spot. Like, I had a dude tell me he was like, this guy ran up in the office. He's like, I went to go talk to senior master sergeant so and so, and he kicked me out of his office. I'm like, yeah, because he don't have to wait for you. You don't demand his time. Like, you don't right. just demand that I could walk into senior master sergeant's office and be like, listen, let me tell you what happened. I'm like, you're a staff sergeant. He calls you. You go to him. You don't go to him and tell him how you feel. That's right. not what he's here for. And he yeah. kind of looked at me. I'm like, you thought I was gonna tell you something different? But that's what I'm saying. Like, so, so, like, so, like, is this so? Is this a sign of the times more than it is like a be enemy thing? He might not. We talked about this before. He might not be good at his job. He might not. He be might be good at, at his job. Like, the, I mean, he might not be good with the words. Some people are have that ability to sit I doubt, down. He would have if. I doubt if, if we went if, through if, all if, 32 NFL locker rooms, Eric Bieniemy, the only dude that's going to be harsh. No, I don't know if it's harsh. If you think about it, he had so many interviews. Maybe he is maybe a little too abrasive. And maybe it might not, it might rub people the wrong way. Maybe his personality might just be more intensity and not a lot of empathy. I'm not saying you gotta be a you gotta coddle people. But maybe he just doesn't have. Yeah, and Bill Belichick just, and Nick Saban we were that not. way before they won championships. They just won championships now. Yeah, so we those dudes. Listen, you can you can say that all you want, but we overheard that recording of him talking to the boosters. He wasn't in there barking at the boosters. He was like, "Hey, Texas A&M, they bought <laughs> their whole team." So you know, I you need know some what money. we gotta do. He didn't, say, <laughs> he didn't say, "Hey, how the hell am I gonna put a good goddamn product on the field if you guys are gonna be cheap?" He didn't say that. <laughs> it's it's what he meant. That's probably what said Jimbo said to get the money. <laughs> but, but no, I bet you Jimbo Jimbo said the same thing. He said because he said some slick about Nick Saban. He was like, "Uh, look into how God does his business." I'm like, "Come on, man, stop drastic on live TV." But that's the that's the difference. Maybe Bianami is killing ants with sledgehammers, and why, that maybe that rubs people the wrong way. Why did Jimbo like, hire Petrino? Because yo, it's a fraternity. Like that's <laughs> my boy. Like dog, listen. If I apply to ESPN and they accept me, I'm like, listen, you got to call this guy. Here's his phone number. Michael Wilson, perfect candidate. Off the rip, I'm like, I'm bringing my boys in. Off the rip. So if my boy need a job and I can hire him, I'm hiring him. I don't care. I don't care about the Rooney rule, the Booney rule, the Goonie rule, none of that. Like, that's the thing. I You got to establish your relationships where you can get them. <laughs> and if my boy need a job, my boy get the job. Yeah, you're and right. That, and that's what it is. So it's like maybe being in me can – maybe the success and Patrick Mahomes – like I said, I'll bring this up like Popovich. Popovich is like, listen, sometimes you rather lose that game on the last shot versus winning it. Because if you lose it off the last shot, then you'll evaluate how do we get to the point where this team that we should have beaten by eight or nine, you know, beat us by one and we missed the last shot. Now you got to evaluate. Right. Maybe the success of the enemy, he never changed up his style because – He's been pretty successful. I'm not saying he's not successful, but in the same right. sense, he could be hard to work with. 
people say Maybe. Bill Belichick's hard to work with. It's just that he has the six Super Bowls. It's just that he had that Tom he, Brady. And now that he doesn't have Tom Brady, it's going to be a lot of conversation. Because Bill Belichick on the hot seat, like you can't fire Bill Belichick. And you can't ask yeah. him to do anything. He has too much leverage. And the same thing with the enemy. The enemy has enough cachet to where it's like you will look like a fool if you just let him go. Because he's going to – if he can turn Sam Howell into – 45% of what you get out of Mahomes. If you can get 26 touchdowns and seven picks and, you know, 3,900 yards out of Sam Howell, that's going to be like, whoa, that's, we weren't expecting that out of a fifth round draft pick. But I think he might be able to do that. But he also might be an asshole. <laughs> like two things <laughs> might be. be true. And if he wants to, you know, he can stay the same. Like Cat Williams said, what's the worst? They asked him what's the worst advice he ever got, and it was like, don't change. So if you want to be that way and it works for you, keep it. But like yeah. I said, Nick Saban was talking real soft to them donors. Well, you he know, barked at that nineteen-year-old cornerback for missing the missing the read. But you know. the dude that's owned his oil company for nineteen years, he don't get that same energy from Nick. From some controversial figures to some more controversial figures. The U.S. women's national team gone home way too soon. And before we <laughs> even get started, way too many of y'all are way too happy about that. But anyway, Mr. Logical. People, I don't like, I'm, try, I'm trying not to speak in generality. I, was, I know I say it every week, but the, the women's women's sports has been i believe more vocal with less leverage than the men in men's sports i think the women have said more and i and i think it's it's kind of i don't say it's lost any kind of shine but i think they they put a lot more you know emphasis on being activists, being advocates, and just being, you know, willing to stand there and take the arrows from the media, from the people on social media, from pundits, from other leagues. I think the women are more willing to do that because they don't make as much money player for player, but they're still willing. They were the first ones to really show up with T-shirts for Breonna Taylor. This was before, like, the NBA had sanctioned all their stuff and everything they did. A lot of the women in NBA were just, but WNBA were really out front. The women's national team has, I'm just going to run down like their, their success over the last 30 years. So 91, they won the World Cup. 99, they won the World Cup. 2015, they won the World Cup. 2019, they won the World Cup. They won Olympic gold medals in 96, 04, 08, 2012, and they were third in the, Olymp the 2020 Olympics that were played in 2021. So that is the same, essentially the same turn tournament, you know, format with the group stages. So they've made it to championship rounds of these world tournaments. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times in the last 30 years. This is their first time since the Women's World Cup started in 1991 that they didn't at least make it to the semis. Correct. The men's team doesn't make it that far, but the men's soccer on the international scale generates more money mm -hmm. and the, the women have been 
trying to anchor their success to their money argument. And I believe I saw a clip of Will Kane when he was back on ESPN. He was like, you're getting 20% of the money you generate. You're just not generating enough money. So you got to right. get a way to generate more money. Right. And the problem is all the the Nikes and the all the other companies that support these women's sports, they don't put up the money. ESPN does ABC and Disney don't put up the money. NBC doesn't put up the money. They don't the world stage for the men's soccer. It was in your face every day. I was getting some kind of update about whatever Argentina did, whatever Cristiano Ronaldo did. If he got something. Well, even now you're seeing more did. about inter Miami than you are, you know, about, about the, the women's US world. Team. Cup. Yeah. So, so they were using the argument like, Hey, we have more success in our field. We should be getting more money than men. And people are like, listen, the men are generating more money. So it, it made them kind of inherently just, I think it, I think it galvanized them when they had, mm -hmm. you know, older leadership, you know, Abby Wambach, Carly Lloyd, mm -hmm. uh, you know, back in the day, Brandy said, Chain, Mia Hamm, you know, Hope Solo. Even well, even, even some people that are still there, like Alex Morgan, Alex Morgan, you, you know, know so Rapino. You had this Rapino, you, you had like this leadership with young players, and the young players are really good, and that's why they get this legacy. But I think the argument for like the money, and then they, they started a lot of them, a lot of, protest and things are starting to merge together like the black lives matter like they're trying to merge it with the trans life matter so you're starting to take on all of these different stances and you're just creating i want to say creating conflict you're just engaged in a lot of different and you become polarizing like, and you, you're polarizing mm -hmm. but there's 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 not a lot of you know people aren't really galvanized towards your effort because you're 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 in basically you're in like these different little pots and battles to the point where when you lose, people are like, great. If they would have won, I don't they I think people was like, Oh, it's ironic that you won for a country that you don't care about. That's that would have been the argument. That's so they 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 never got credit. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So well, well, that's the problem, you know. Like just just real quick, you know, just for some housekeeping, you know what I mean? Like they did this to themselves as far as on the field. They did this to themselves, you know, against Sweden in, in the game that they got eliminated. They had shots on target 11 to Sweden's one. So in other words, Sweden's goalkeeper had 11 saves you know, uh, against the Netherlands. Rapino didn't even play. You know, they had Sophie Smith, who... Is probably the best striker. Well, not probably. She's the best striker on the team. Going to be a bona fide star coming up in the next few years. And they had her playing on the wing instead of striking. You know, and, yeah, and Alex. You know, and you know, and then but then you got, but you still got to switch it up. You still got to have tactics. And when your opponent is doing things like they're subbing players out or they're switching formations. You kind of have to match with, you know, you have to match up with what they're doing. Like, you can't just keep doing what you're doing that's not working because there was the zero, zero or the nil-nil draw against Portugal in, in, in this game against Sweden, nil-nil, you know, penalty kicks. And so, you know, everybody got upset. Some people got upset because uh, Rapino missed the penalty kick and she kind of laughed, you know. But I saw that as more like, I can't, I can't believe, believe it. this shit. Yeah, like, 
like really like you know like out of all the kicks to miss or like you know i missed the most basic you know like i didn't have defenders on me like i was just me against the goalie yeah, and she I said missed. a quote late. She's like, I can't remember the last time I missed a penalty kick. Yeah, so so but people use that because of whatever issues they have with her to begin with to say that's why they lost in the first place because they're not taking it seriously. Or look at them out there, like uh when they had the draw with Portugal, you know, they were like kind of dancing around, you know, like you know, and all that kind of stuff. And people were like, What are they dancing for? Like, I mean, they won because the penalty kicks and that, but what well, hey, why are you dancing? Like you drew you that was a draw. Why are you dancing? So 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 it's just it's just like one yeah, of those people, things. Yeah, people are gonna have something like. Well, but it goes back, well, it goes back. Yeah, and it goes back to what we were talking about personalities. You know what I mean? Because and you can't win because that when you're in the position that they're in, if they did keep it professional and did it the right way, and they just walked off the field with their heads held high, people would have just said. Oh, so they don't, don't have care. Any emotion. They don't yeah, care that yeah. they lost. Right. It's like you can't win either way. And and that's why, you know, the other night, you know, 2-5 Daily, I had to get into the whole politics side of it because people people are saying, like, I don't want politics in my sport. But yet every time you react to something that Mega Rapino does, you're bringing politics into the sport. 100%. You know, like, like I tell people all the time, all these people that complain and whine about Donald Trump and how did he win and all this and all that. You know how he won? Because every time he opened his mouth, a camera was in his face. CNN was telling you how bad he was while giving him free coverage 24 hours a day, making him go viral, showing it over and over. So, so when you got somebody like Megan Rapino who she can only have that effect on you if you're responding to what she's doing. Exactly. You know, and all she's doing is standing up for what she believes in. And like I said the other night, when I joined the military, I didn't join the military on some, we're going to force y'all to act this way, or this is the way you have to act as an American. Because America is a melting pot, first of all, mixed with different cultures. So everybody's not going to be the same to begin with. You know, so that's, that's strike one everybody's not the same strike two is since we're not the same that means you get to have an opinion on this i get to have a different one you know strike three means just because you were taught that this is the way we do things does not mean that everybody else subscribes to the way that you were taught within your household now do i like to see people burn the flag no but they got the right to do it you know, do, do, do I like people kneeling during the national anthem? I truthfully don't care. And I know I shouldn't say that as a veteran, but I truthfully don't care because part of why I fought and joined the military was so that those people could do those things if they felt necessary. Because it's sometimes the, it's the First Amendment. It's literally the first one. Your freedom of speech. You know who kneels? Freedom of religion, freedom you, of press. Like, you know like who kneels? You kneel. You kneel when you get knighted. You kneel when you propose. You kneel when you, you when you pray. You kneel at you know someone's tombstone that, that passed away. Like you, you know, you know who kneels. Sign of respect. You know who kneels. A normal person doesn't kneel, and by normal I mean someone who has everything positive going for them in their lives and all this kind of stuff. People that kneel are people trying to be heard. People that protest are people trying to be heard because they tried to have regular conversation. They tried to have discourse. 
and they tried to explain how they feel in their side of the story and you told them shut the fuck up or you know what i mean like like somebody shut up like dribble like i heard I, I forget who said it but uh but when kaepernick was kneeling they said hey they told us let's talk we talked they told us to shut up they said well you aren't loud enough so we raised our voice they said you're too loud and then they said, well, if you believe in something, why don't you stand up? So then we stood up and they told us to sit down. And then and then when you kneel, they said, get up. Like, so it's like, all you're doing is kicking the can down the road. Like You, you can't win for losing. <laughs> you can't so win it, for losing. So, so, so don't a call yourself like you... a patriot if you're celebrating your country losing at something. And it's like, I don't know when it started. It, it feels more recent, but... I don't think you're supposed to think like everybody else. I don't think every question is one answer and that's the only thing. I think there is discourse, there's conversation, there's nuance to every situation. For some reason, everyone now is like, oh, this is controversial. No, it isn't. This is simply my opinion. Like, I'm going to say what I'm going to say. And Yes, I'll be respectful to you, you know, whatever your sensitivities are, but it's only so far another person is required to go. Like, it's only like if you're offended by something, that's how you feel. That's nothing to do with me. Like, the way I say something, if I said fuck on this podcast and you're offended by that, that is not my problem. That is your problem. It is not my problem to solve for you. It's for you to figure out do I want to listen to this podcast or do I want to go listen to someone who doesn't say fuck? Or why does this word bother me? Even 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 if that's the case, none of that is my issue. I don't care why it bothers you. I don't care that it did bother you. Don't bring it to me. Like, don't bring me your problems unless you're trying to figure out if we can help each other with this. But if you simply have a singular problem, then you have a singular problem. But if you have a problem that's collective, like, yo, I need this, not like, oh, I'm just offended by this or I think this is offensive. Okay, cool. You don't have to, you don't have to tune in to football. Oh, I think them talking about race is too much. You don't have to watch. There's no, there's no requirement for you to watch. If you don't want to watch it, then don't watch it. Well, that's what, that's we, what I we, told we people. We can go down this political rabbit hole, but it's like, ultimately, you're allowed to have a difference of opinion. You're allowed to feel differently, and you're allowed to discuss that. The problem is people don't know how to discuss that because the algorithm gives you everything you need. Like, right now, if I looked up a video of somebody running a marathon, just like Mile five of my marathon, mile 10 of my marathon, and I scroll up the next video, probably somebody else running. Boom. Then it's the next video. So, like, if I'm only looking at what my algorithm is sending me, then I'm never going to get a broader perspective. I'm never going to get to be able to figure out, like, am I am I in the minority? Am I in the majority? Like, where where what information am I missing? Am I not? Am, am I going to have a conversation with someone? Am I going to give them good quality information? Are we going to learn through this dialogue? But if I'm only dealing with people, if I only talk to people who like this podcast and no other sports show, I'm never going to look at, you know, undisputed and think, can I, can we pick up something from that show? I'm never going to look at first take because everybody I talk to tells me how much they like this podcast. So we're only going to do this. We're never going to branch out. We're never going to use new ideas. We won't introduce, you know, different music. Cause like, listen, 
we have this and this is what we like no one operates like that no one succeeds that way so the fact that people are operating at such high levels of government school boards uh colleges is like oh this is the way it is it's like and these no, are people like, with people's futures in their hands get just completely just completely you know, just that's, just that's like bottleneck, I, just bottlenecking progress. That's why you're say, not like, you're not being progressive by cutting off people who have a different thought process than you. You got to hear it out. You you got to hear it out in order to get progress. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's where like it just saddens me because, you know, like I said, like that's we fought wars for people to be able to do these things that we dislike. And it's just like the old argument, right? Why is that on TV? Turn the channel. Like you got 800 channels on your TV. You got, if you don't like what's going on on Hulu, you can get on Netflix. So on I so got forth. 10 books behind me I could read if I didn't want to watch TV. That too. You know what I mean? So like, it's just, it's just a whole lot of BS, you know? And like, which brings me to more BS. <laughs> Because all I've heard for the last two, three years is how the transfer portal, we've talked about it before as well, how the transfer portal is going to ruin college sports and, you know, NIL and all this kind of stuff. Meanwhile, these universities pulling in money over fist, you know, saying they had to, like, they had a safe and then they had Billions. to build up, they had to build a vault because they the safe wasn't big enough anymore. You know what I mean? But somehow, somehow, and, and this is another one of those public things, whereas like, you'll hate on my nine to five ass. You know what I mean? But this billionaire that's exploiting people and making his millions and billions off of the back of someone else's labor. Yeah, we're talking about you, Chuck. You're like, wow, we should be more like him. Yo, the the NIL, I mean, it's just, it goes back to just this self-awareness. It's it's just such a a lack of self-awareness that I think people exhibit when they just spew this nonsense over, even the coaches. Like I said, I I did my my get off my chest last week about Pat Narduzzi. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know that schools are getting massive amounts of money from all the sports and all the students are a good chunk of the students. I know what it is, maybe 80, 85%. People are leaving college with four-year degrees that are going to probably pay them sixty-two to $70,000 a year. Maybe. Maybe. And sitting on a hundred twenty thousand to two hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt so you're good with that all the students coming to the school pretty much leaving with student loan debt but you're upset because usc basically poached your best wide receiver because he was gonna get an nil deal well he he deserves money you're not working for free the school is not working for free we're about to have football next year where here we go. Like I'm just I'm just gonna show you this this ridiculous Venn diagram that we that I found earlier to just outline the ridiculousness of the season. So this is from in the Washington Post. The Big Twelve has 16 teams. 
The Big Ten has 18. The SEC has Oklahoma, Texas, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Florida, Texas A&M. Like some of the best schools in college football history are all in one conference. The ACC, they have teams like they're potentially going to try to get Oregon. Oregon's on the complete opposite coast. And the poor Pac-12. Oh, yeah, it's trying to get Stanford. But they're trying. They have four teams left in the Pac-12. The whole Pacific, like that whole from Oregon, from Washington State all the way down to California, they got four teams left. And the only reason these schools left is not for competition because they never played each other in previous years when they were in different conferences. It's not like, hey, we want to play the best of the best. No, they don't want to play the best of the best. They want to get paid like the best, i.e. Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is probably going to go 2-10 and 10 next year. And they're going to get $60 million. And you're going to be a coach or a, a, an executive or someone who's running one of these conferences and say that kid who plays cornerback can't go to the dealership and get a charger for the school year because the NIL money's ruining college football. Meanwhile, um, I got four teams in the Pac-12. You know, the, the team that won the Pac-12 the last two years, they left. So even the champion of the Pac-12 left. Shout out to Utah, Salt Lake City. You in the building, Rice Cycle Stadium. Shout out to Cal Winningham. But, like, even they left. So the money is talking to the schools. The money is talking to the conferences. But you don't want the money to whisper to the players. It's just the hypocrisy is at an all-time high with just this country. It's just it's just like the hypocrisy of these conversations and the lack of self-awareness and the lack of foresight is just, it's beyond me. Like It doesn't make any sense because if you sit down with six intelligent people and have a conversation, it's so well-rounded, especially if people can articulate their, you know, whatever their points of view properly. You can have a great conversation. I talk to you two, three hours a day, you know, when I'm driving or even before this, we talked yesterday, you know, we can have these conversations and not agree on everything. And we can add two or three more people into this conversation and not agree. But as soon as something gets on TV, it's like, oh, this is the way it is. And it's like a statement and that's it. And we're just supposed to be like, all right, that's cool. So, I mean, it's just, it's just, it just, the blind loyalty to stupidity is just blowing my mind. So, so the football money is obviously important because it helps fund all the other sports, title nine, you know, very important things. But then, you know, it hit me of like, I saw some softball players complaining about travel because you know like they don't travel like these football players do you know they fly commercial with the layovers and all that kind of stuff so like if you're like say stanford you fly to salt lake city you know play a baseball or softball game at like nine o'clock or whatever you know gets over at around midnight or so you know hopping back on a commercial plane at five in the morning you know and then like lay over here lay over there oh you got homework too and, you know, you probably got a project due, you know, all this kind of stuff, like student athlete, right? So, right. so, so we get into all that. So now as I'm looking at these schools, you know, like Oregon, for example, and these student athletes that don't make the revenue that football make, obviously, playing a game at Rutgers, you know what I mean? And then come back home you know, to play against, say, you know, Michigan 
And then you got Michigan State coming in, partnered up or whatever, so you could play them together. And then after you play the Michigan schools, you're flying back to play Indiana. Yeah. You know, like, like you know, it's, it just at what point are you concerned about these student athletes that the NCAA, NCAA is willing to punish? You know, that's kind of gone at least. But if NIL is going to ruin the sport, what is this doing? Like, where's the ceiling on the money? For these tv deals you know like we already got florida state you know we're talking about a university that you know according to was it 2021 um the acc schools said that after taxes they made 23.3 million dollars off of their tv deals now contrast that with the mountain west you know san diego state why were they trying to go to the pac-12 because that conference is only getting four million dollars per school and there's your separation of your power five and your g5 but then the sec's out here getting just about 60 million per school now so now you got fsu you know who's making somewhere between 23 and 32 million a year depending on what you read saying yo we can't compete like like we're getting left in the dust and and now this battle like 20 20 to 30 million dollars and they're saying they can't compete because yeah. another school's getting 60. Yeah. yeah and now this battle is going on between fox and espn and now i can't listen to mark jackson and jeff van gundy no more and i get stuck with doc rivers you know what See, I mean? Like, like they couldn't talking, pay. They gotta pay. They gotta pay Alabama. They gotta so, pay. They gotta pay the SEC. So they so, came like, oh, we can't afford to have all these legendary voices on TV. So not only are you ruining my college football, you're you're ruining my overall sports experience. You're you know? ruining my experience watching your channel. You you didn't like renew Bobani Jones's contract. Stephen you know? A. Smith is probably next. No, nah, he ain't going nowhere. Jalen Rose hey. is gone. You know, like, if that's what I'm saying. So, so like, what's ruining sports? You know, is it the the lowest level, the players, not disrespectfully, but the lower the lowest level being able to get a piece of a pie that the university isn't even responsible for or get, like, the university isn't play, paying these players. They're, they're not right. getting any money off of that TV deal. They're getting money from this local business that's trying to get their name on the stadium at some point. Or, you know, they just went to the university. Their granddaddy went to the university and they just have this the loyalty to the university. You know what I mean? So this isn't even coming out of the university's pockets. So that's why I never understood the argument of, you know, like like take a school like San Diego State, you know, um, Florida Atlantic. You know, we talk about them making the final four or whatever. You know what I mean? How much NIL money was the Florida Atlantic basketball players getting? And and I understand like I'll play devil's advocate because I don't want to just just harp on the schools because like even though they are a nonprofit organization that just means they don't have shareholders they still right. like, want to generate money. Um, the 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 obligation of the school. I think if they feel like this, if we are giving the players everything that they need, and we're taking this like the football money. The football money is important to the school. The basketball money is important. But if you rank it, football money is going to be one. You got to take care of your biggest money maker. If you had a, a sales team and 
one of your salesmen is always pulling in $3 million a year and the rest are generating 250,000 when the $3 million, you know, salesperson wants to use the company comps at a hotel in Atlantic city or a hotel in Vegas or a hotel in Miami, that person's probably going to get it because they generate $3 million a year versus the person who generates the 250,000. But they are, they can say like, listen, we gave you guys all the same equipment to make these sales. The football team just happened to be bigger money draws. Mm -hmm. And I, and I understand that piece. My thing is, if you understand that you are as a school, you know, relying on this money, then you can't as a coach who knows the schools around on this money as a, you know, the AD, you know, the schools around on this money to then knock the player. Like when they weren't getting paid money at all, I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, it doesn't make any sense. You're selling jerseys at the games. Yeah. There's no names on. I know who number seven is. I know who seven is for Utah. He's a starting quarterback. I know who, you know, 15 is on Florida. And I know who Rob receiver one, number one is, who's 98 speed from Virginia. Like, it's literally on there. We knew who you were talking about. And number 15, the quarterback is left-handed. Like, we know who these guys are. So they're getting, if you're, you know, they're getting paid. So now that they're getting their money, let them get their money. Because you're not, it's not coming from the school. Yeah. Okay. You might lose a player because he can get an NIL deal in Tennessee and there's a big GMC dealership that's going to give him an SUV. Or you might lose a female gymnast because the other female gymnast down at LSU has X amount of millions of followers and she makes as much money and they have communicated and she wants to go down there and learn from and be on a team with her so she can get those contacts. Like, Miami lost to the Cavander twins that were playing basketball because they were making so much NIL money. So it's going to happen. Like change is inevitable, but to act as if the money's not important to the player, even though all the schools are making moves for money. Cause like there's no other reason for Oklahoma to be in the sec other than to get the $60 million. It doesn't help you get into the playoff because now you have to go through a gauntlet of other teams. It doesn't help that your Colorado is not being helped by joining the big 12 because they were one in 11 last year in the pac 12. They're not going to get better as a team. It doesn't help Vanderbilt to not want to say, you know what, let's move to another conference to where maybe we could be more competitive and win games. And that's how we're going to recruit players. Like, Nope, we're going to get this $60 million from ESPN. And we're going to use that to send 10 scouts on the road and try to get the best three, four or five star recruits that we can, because we got $60 million in the So pot. here's one for you. You're neck of the woods. Since Rutgers joined the Big Ten, I heard this on uh, Unnecessary Roughness earlier today. Um, since Rutgers joined the Big Ten, they have 13 Big Ten football wins. They have 39 losses by 20 or more <laughs> in that same time frame. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah, like the competition aspect is gone. And that's where, for me, that ruins the sport because the competition is what makes the sport. You know, like like, like you you got, especially a sport like football. There's you know, nothing like, to look forward to with college football next year at all. Like, realistically, right. there's nothing that you can be like, 
I can't wait for this, these series of games to happen because it's just, there's, it's just, it's like, what the Big Ten has 18 teams. 18 teams. Like, what what am I what am I getting? What am I getting as a college football fan? Like what am I am I am I gonna just be happy with USC playing Ohio State at some point? Is that gonna be enough? And am I gonna am, are we gonna look back on this in two years when we're still doing this podcast, hopefully on some big network with a bigger budget? Are we gonna look back on this like you know what? That wasn't that bad idea to have Oregon play Ohio State in September or Purdue at USC, like maybe. Maybe we'll look at it that way because we'll just kind of see that it's just the way it is, and maybe it works out. But at the end of the year, you're not going to have – when you have 12 teams, when we have 12-team playoffs, you're not going to have Oklahoma, Texas, Alabama, LSU because they're on the same conference. Well, I want USC fans to tell me – fans, I said. I want diehard USC fans, all six of y'all. I want y'all to tell me. That like if y'all are happy that USC is going to be making whatever it is in the Big Ten, 50 million or so at the expense of your game against Notre Dame every year. You know what I mean? I think they will. I, I mean they, as, but I mean, but but like so 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 like so like uh, allegedly fans make the sport. You know, like like the reason the NFL is so popular is because the fans are so loyal that even through whatever, we tune it in. You know what I mean? You give us Seattle and Jacksonville in the Super Bowl, we there. You know what I mean? Like the I'm same doing, way you, I'm doing ten dollar Super Bowl squares off the yeah. Red. Same way you five. would if it was Cowboys and Steelers. You know, give same five thing. squares. You know what I mean? Whereas, <laughs> whereas, like you know, in college football. Are the fans, are there going to be fans in mass that get turned off by some point from some of this? Our, okay, like I said, once again, you know, my favorite phrase tonight, apparently playing devil's advocate. Are we the old man to get off my lawn? Is that our attitude right now? Are we not thinking, are we not being progressive in our think, thinking? Because like, no, I is think it going to be worth it? Is it, is it going to be like... Like, my only thing is this. With the 18 teams, if I don't get – if they think if, – if they make the schedule and the projection is USC's preseason number three, Ohio State's preseason number five or something like that, and they make the schedule to where they don't play because they don't want to ruin – the chances of both of them. Well, you're hoping the that they'll play in the conference championship game at the very least, and then Maybe they both get can, in. May, well, maybe you. Well, is it going to be the top two teams? Is that going to be the thing? Like, it's so. It's like there's going to be some 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 jousting and some jostling and some and some maneuvering to get you know your top two teams in. But it's like, is the Oklahoma State Utah game? Is it going to be worth it every year? Is that is that going to be entertaining? Like, is it? Are we going to just simply weed out? all the other conferences is it simply just gonna hey, be these four i told you espn versus fox afc so versus it, nfc so are we gonna get rid of the pac 12 is that just gonna completely well, the pac 12 already gone but like the name is still there they just gotta get six more teams 
to and they can go back to be the Pac-10. But the name still exists. Like does that, the name, does that the name is that's, valuable. That's, that's, that's a the name is valuable, but they're not going to be a power five. But that's what I'm saying. That's that's a whole organization. Like people work there. Like people are executives and accountants and administrative assistants. Hey, I and, brought that up last night, and you were all like, "I don't think that." You know that you know, use like, my own a, point against me. But it's like it's like I just, <laughs> think, I just I'm just thinking about because like as I'm looking at this, that's exactly what I brought up last night when I was talking yeah. about Oregon State. Yeah, but now when I see it in my face, I'm just looking like, do I need, do I need UAB at all? No. In a Power Five, do I need Florida Atlantic at all? Like, what, what, what we have here between the Big Ten with their 18 teams, the 16, so that's 34, 15, that's 49. Add Notre 50, Dame. So, so we got 58 teams or so. So, so originally, I, I think the number. Do I was need 60, anything outside of these fifty-eight teams? I think originally the number was sixty-four when you include Notre Dame. Uh, it was sixty-four or sixty-five originally, but now you're taking away Stanford, Cal, Oregon. I'm, I'm taking yeah. all four of them out because yeah. they're not. I don't know. If, I don't know if that we don't know that, what their future is. Yeah, with those four. So yeah. you got, like I said, 34, 49, 50, 50 yeah, sixty-six. I guess sixty-six teams. But then you probably got to. But then you probably got to weed that down. You know what I mean? Like that's the thing. You you have what you have in that. Like I think the only teams that maybe kind of lift out because of they don't have like the historical acclaim. Cincinnati, Houston, UCF. Uh basically the teams Iowa like State, the Big Twelve. The Big 12. Yeah. So the teams that are in the Big 12, I think they have they have the least cachet of the 66 teams, but they have enough to where it's it's relevant enough to keep them. But it could be four years from now where they just take Utah, Colorado, BYU, and Baylor and get rid of everybody else. Like maybe, you know, so it's like yeah. and that now they're the cast off. And, so and my question and now is now they're down to 64, you know, 64 teams or something like that. But see, my question is, <clears throat> does the ACC become the Big East? Because like Florida State leaves, Clemson leaves, Miami leaves, UNC leaves. You're stuck with a whole lot of Wake Forest, Syracuse, Boston College, Pitt. You know what I mean? Like, are, is that the new Big East? I think you just keep the name because – whatever comes with the money, whatever the contracts are, I think you keep ACC. But I think, because I don't know where, I really don't know where Florida State could go right now. Florida State and Clemson, you said that the the person you watch says that, you know, they could be on the go. Yeah. Where? Like, do you go to the some, Big Ten and get 20 teams? Some people are thinking the Big Ten just to get the Big Ten into the South. 50. And that's so, so, that, so that that way they can encroach on SEC territory. Because it's all about recruiting, right? You know what I mean? So now, you know, like you're opening up the Big Ten more to Florida, obviously, Georgia, you know, these places where, you know, Ohio State and Michigan can Each probably. one of these schools are probably, you know, so Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, so they got to compete with Iowa State. Nebraska competes with no one. Northwestern, I think they're in Illinois. But see, that's the thing. As Nebraska, you can recruit, you can recruit your state. You can recruit around it. 
but this you is, can this always is, recruit but, Texas. But, you, but this is the problem. There ain't no like great football players in Nebraska. Like there's anomalies and there's people that stand out, but on average, eighty five scholarships, eighty five scholarships, you can't sustain Nebraska. And that's what I was telling you about Rutgers last night. You know, if, if Rutgers could just find somebody to lock down a certain corridor. Michigan comes through and Michigan comes through and cleans it every up. Miami year. comes through, cleans it up. Penn State, Ohio State comes through and Penn State, cleans it up. Ohio State, yeah. Michigan get every five star recruit out of Jersey. So, so that's what Not I'm saying. So, so, so that's why Rutgers can't be good because, like everybody, you know, we talked about Rutgers bringing the New York market and all that. Like, I don't know. New York's not a big football market. You know what I'm saying? But, but it also gave a lot of these other places like Purdue that you, that you mentioned, Indiana. Now they could pluck a player or two for Rutgers, you know, just to play against somebody. You know, where it's like, I don't want to go to Rutgers, but I can still see my family. My family can see me play like XYZ. They have that opportunity, you know, or Vanderbilt, like, you know, like the Vanderbilt's in Nashville. You know, country music capital of the world. Where's their great quarterback? You know what I mean? Like, Jay Cutler? I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know why teams don't just send their best recruiter to go get quarterbacks. Like, who's our best salesman? Who's our $3 million year Maybe they do. Individual. It's no way because think about it though. Think about it. Give me a school. Give me just a random low school like that's still possible. Houston. Okay, so Houston, right? So they're in the Big Twelve. They're in Texas. So, so, so if I'm Houston, right? To me, this is just two fives opinion. Houston is like the fourth biggest city in the country. Correct. It's 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 one of the chocolate cities, you know, culture wise and everything. So given Houston power five status gives them a potential to be a sleeping giant. Correct. They got to get the right coach in there, all that good stuff. It has to come together. This is the problem. I'm going to go into a recruit's home, sell them on all this. And then they're going to take a tour of Texas and they're going to see Texas's facilities. You know what I'm saying? They're going to go up and see Oklahoma and they're going to see the national title trophies. You know what I mean? They're going to go up to Texas A&M and, you know, they got the 12th man that has been established for the last hundred years or whatever, whereas yeah, I'm new like to the party. Girl, These dudes ain't coming. Fourth string. You're going to be fourth string. I and guess what? Junior, but guess what? I got because a junior. I got two redshirt sophomores. You're a fifth quarterback. But guess if, what? If you're going to Oklahoma, like you're the fifth quarterback, you can come to Houston and you can start. But guess what? And we're gonna get this. But guess what? Should to get you a UConn. But guess what? But if Texas is recruiting me, Oklahoma's recruiting me, AM's recruiting me, Alabama might be recruiting me, Georgia might be recruiting me. So Houston, you're you're down here. You know what I mean? I, like listen, all of us, I don't I think just because I'm I'm looking at it logically. Like who's I'm, the last Houston quarterback to blow up in the NFL? Who's the last Alabama quarterback to blow up in the NFL before you got Mac Jones, Tua, and Jalen Hurts? And they haven't really blown up. Why like, Jalen Hurts just made a Super Bowl? Yeah, but his numbers are the same as Tyrod Taylor's. It's you not like his numbers mean? are like crazy. 
he's no, just, he's but just, you, really, but he's just but a really but good leader see. of men on a good team. Right. Mac Jones is, is not a, that good of a quarterback. When's the last Ohio State quarterback that really blew up? Joe Burrow. <laughs> exactly. And before Joe Burrow, LSU, who was the last LSU guy? Who's the last Virginia Tech guy? So it's like none of this stuff, like the last Texas quarterback that really blew up. I mean, Colt McCoy's doing his thing as a, you know, backup. Right. And then you had, you know, Kyler Murray with Texas A&M and with Oklahoma. He's doing all right. But, I mean, Josh Allen came out of Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence, yeah, he went to Clemson, but their quarterback already transferred to Oregon State. You know, the, his replacement, Ungalili. Right. You know, whatever. So it's, it's <laughs> like there's no, there's no, there's no like guarantee thing. So as a recruiter, you're like, listen, like we talk about Quinn, uh, Quinn Evers. He graduated early from high school, so he can enroll in Ohio State. He went to Ohio State, and we're not sure about the timeline. I'm not sure if Joe Burrow was still there. I don't think he was. But when he went to Ohio State, the quarterback ahead of him was C.J. Stroud. And the quarterback ahead of C.J. Stroud was Justin Fields. When you took that tour and you saw the PS5s or 4s or whatever they had out there and the big screens and the weights with all the Buckeye symbols on it and all the helmets, you didn't see the two dudes that are four, like one dude 6'4", 220, the other dude 6'3", 215 ahead of you. Like, how long would you think you're going to be there knowing that they're Ohio State? They're going to get another five-star recruit in there. They probably had one in there at the same time when he went there, but he still went there. But when even but even if. Texas. So it's like the decision-making doesn't make any sense to me. But so like going back recruiter, to that place. I'm like, dog, why would you go there? Because they got a nice gym. But look, but going That's back to that place. Lifting weights because you're look, not lifting the football. But look, going back to that thing, right? So I go to Houston. I become a star or whatever, you know, I, I I I have a great season. Now Florida State calling me next year in the transfer portal. <laughs> then you you know what then, I mean? Like it's just and then at 20 years old, you learn how to use leverage. Like listen, never man, Florida, I got this, I got this, you know, this new lady right now called Florida State giving me a lot of attention. So you know, let's but, let's let's call Marriott so I can get free rooms <laughs> for me and my family all over the country. Like, but before we I want get that out of kind here. of NIL deal, you know. So it's just a matter of the leverage. And I'm just like, I don't understand why guys are willing. Like the the remember the Alabama running back room I had Alvin Kamara, uh who was it? Mark Alvin Ingram, Mark, Mark Ingram, Trip Richardson, uh-huh. Derrick Henry is like, why are you here? Right. Alvin Kamara, why'd you look at Derrick Henry and say, you know what? I'm gonna take him that out. Guy out. Yeah, I will beat that guy out. Like, yeah. nah, baby. So no, but but before we get out of here, I just want to answer your question because you asked, "Are we the old guys that are not being progressive?" I think we're. I think we are being progressive because we understand why this is happening and we accept that it's happening. Like, so that's step one: is you got to accept it. I think we're like, like we're not denying the value of it and why these schools are doing it. So from that standpoint. I think we've allowed ourselves to understand and educate ourselves on why this thing is happening. So we're progressive in that way. But that don't mean that just because we're progressive, that still don't mean it's the right thing to do as far as like the overall health of the sport or whatever, you know, just like the NBA, right? We talked about super teams. It's a little different. Super teams were healthy for the sport because in basketball, people love dynasties. 
You know, you want to right. cheer against the dynasty. You want to cheer for the dynasty. Male dynasties. People and college, like when UConn won like 100 games. Right, zero. right. I had a conversation yeah. about that, which is right. weird. In college football, you want dynasties, but it has to be the right school. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Bama could be a dynasty or Florida could be a dynasty. Notre Dame you cannot know? win four out of the next 10 national But championships. if they did, but if they did, college football. People, like, like those fans they would, would be eat outrageous. It up. They like would I, be outrageous. You, yeah, you know my nickname Shout for Notre Dame, Bush right? Team. You know my nickname for Notre Dame, right? College Football University. <laughs> like Notre Dame is college football. Like at the end of the day, like, you know what I mean? They need like, to be good. I mean, you know, it, it does help that they, when they're good, yeah. Yeah, so, 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 so from that standpoint. But, like, but when we're looking at, like, college football, like, nobody wants, and, and, of course, you know, this is hypothetical, of course, nobody wants a Kansas dynasty. You want that in basketball. You don't want it in football. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want a Pitt dynasty. You know, you want a Michigan dynasty, Ohio State dynasty, like, so on and so forth. Yeah, so that's if you're gonna give them if you're gonna give them one, three, five billion dollars for the next eight or nine years, yeah, you, you're gonna want you're gonna want that dynasty. But it's are we gonna be in a situation where, like I say, if we go back to that, are we gonna be in a situation where Oklahoma, Texas, LSU, Georgia, Alabama, Florida, Arkansas, and then maybe Vanderbilt surprises a team and they just kind of like chew each other up? Or is our entertainment from September? to December going to be worth it when the national championship with the 12 teams doesn't have your, your traditional blue bloods. in it. But I think they will though, because you and I talked about this, like the sec and the big 10 are going to get the most teams in like, like their team, their teams are going to get the benefit of the doubt. So like hypothetically, right. We talked about this, the format top six conference champions. Now, remember, now remember, the 12 team playoff starts next year. The contract runs out in 2026. For that format. For yeah. So we're gonna jumble it all up all over again because now you gotta adjust. You know what I mean? Because, to what's happened now. Because you but, have 66 teams and you don't care about the other 50. Right. So so for the time being, so for the time being, for these two years, 2024 and 2025, that we're gonna have this format. So you're gonna have your six conference champions. One through six, yeah. right? That are ranked. They got to be ranked. ranked. Yeah, they got to be ranked. They got to be ranked. You know what I mean? So you already know going in, a second G5 ain't going to get in. So, like, there's probably going to be one G5 champion that gets in. You know, that's that's number that's point and number that's one. And that's your Mountain West, your AAC, maybe. Yeah. Conference USA, okay. You know, if they're ranked, you know, that's the thing. And they have to be ranked when they win their conference. To be in the top six, right. So what if they rank them after they win the conference? Or do you have to be ranked well, when so, so you game? So, so the conference title game counts. So if you weren't ranked going into the conference title game, but then you, you get win. ranked afterwards, that counts towards the playoff. You what, know what, I mean? what if it's like, oh, you weren't ranked when you played your conference? So when you won your conference, you weren't ranked. No, I don't think that matters. I think you get ranked after the fact that you're ranked. It'll team. matter if they try to get Ohio State. Well, well, yeah, Oklahoma, there you go. And there you go, right? SE into the you know, 12. But but that's my thing, right? So 12 teams. So you got your six champions, right? So you got six more spots for at large. You know, so in your scenario, well, I guess we don't need to go there because I don't know. But let's just say, you know, for the for the sake of argument, you know. 
Georgia is your, your SEC your remaining, champion. Your remaining six teams, so you get your six automatics. Your remaining six is going to come out of the pot of a Big Ten, Big 12, SEC, and then ACC, the whatever order. But more likely, SEC is going to be right. the top priority than Big Ten because they seem to have the most firepower. Right. And then I'm gonna go Big Twelve, then ACC. Like so that's yeah, where you're gonna get your so remaining. So your SEC, from. so your SEC might get two to three. Your Big Ten might get two. So you're at eleven. And then whoever's the best second place team out of the Big Twelve and ACC will probably get that next spot. So here's a scenario. For One you. of them. One here's, of them is gonna get that. Well, here's next spot, well, yeah. no. Here's here's a scenario for you. You know what I mean? So you got your conference champions just for the sake of argument, right? So, so you got Georgia as your SEC champion. You got Ohio State as your Big Ten champion. You got Clemson as your ACC champion. And Texas as – well, actually, well, next year that ain't going to work because Texas is going to be yeah. in the SEC. So so, so, so so in the Big 12, I'm trying to think who the next best team would be, I guess. We'll, we'll just say – we'll just call it Utah or TCU. One of those two. Utah. You know what I mean? Um, is is your four seed, right? Tulane's, you know, a conference champion ranked. And then Boise State is a conference champion ranked. Out of the Mountain West. Yeah. All right. So that's your six, right? Now, who did Georgia beat in the SEC championship game? That team probably getting in. Yep. You know, so Bama or LSU or whatever, just for the sake of argument. Michigan probably getting in if they're good enough. Like if they're only losses to Ohio State, you know, Michigan's getting in. You know what I mean? Then you got oh, but you gotta watch out because like Michigan, USC travels a little bit better than Michigan. I'm getting USC's there. I'm getting there. So then you got USC or Penn State that might get in, or Oregon if they have a great year. Then in the SEC, you go back to the SEC. Now you still got LSU to play with. You Whatever know, team was Florida, the third team that didn't get into the, the SEC, SEC title game. game. Yep, there you so go. The third team. So yep. we had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yep. And, and now, we, now, who's your next SEC team, team? Who's your next SEC team in your next Big Ten team? First, they got to be considered. If nobody meets the criteria, now you get your second Big 12 team in. Now, Clemson was your ACC champion. What's Florida State's record? Did they beat Florida State in the ACC title game? And maybe ACC, maybe Florida State gets in. So pretty much what you're telling me is that we're going to get Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, Utah, Tulane, Boise State, and Alabama, LSU, Michigan, Penn State, and Florida. Yeah, because remember, remember, <laughs> no, remember, though, remember, the Pac-12 messed this up. You know what I mean? Because originally it was supposed to be the power five. And that one G5 team would get in. But the and way the that can keep their teams. But the way that it's written, it says top six ranked conference champions. So now you got to keep your eyes on the committee. Now you got to see. Are they going to reward Conference USA? Or are they going to make, are they going to, are they going to put them all in a pot of 12 and re-rank them? Right. You know what I'm saying? Or are they just you're gonna all, go? You're all gonna you're all gonna get in. All six of you get in, but then we rank you one through twelve. Just like the New Year Six, right? The New Year Six, the highest rated G five conference champion gets into the New Year Six. Now, 
if I'm the Orange Bowl, whoever, I can still pick another 11 and one G5 team as an at large, but I'm not going to because in that pool is your Arkansas and your Clemson's and your whoever else. So that 11 and one Tulane ain't getting in this time if I already got 12 and 0 Cincinnati or whatever, 11 and one Cincinnati up here. So you just, yeah. you, you know, like it just, they'll so find a if, way. They'll find a way. If it's not automatically one through six ranked, if it's if it's a matter of the six of you get the six conference champions, ranked conference champions get in, and then the six at large teams get in, and then they vote and rack and stack them one through twelve, then it's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna be bedlam. It's gonna be and the, and, and be the top four and the top four get a buy get and, buy. That, and a G five ain't gonna get a buy. So they're gonna give four SEC schools one through four. No, they ain't gonna do that. You know what I'm saying? But you yeah, know what I'm two or three, two you know or three. I mean, they, they get two in every time. So it's like, I think what it is is like, listen, we're gonna give you all these matchups all year long. You're gonna get potentially SC versus Michigan in October. You're gonna get Washington versus Wisconsin. You're gonna get Utah versus Cincinnati. You're gonna get Houston versus TCU. You're gonna get your Florida versus Texas matchup. We're going to give you all of these matchups all year long, and then we're going to give you the playoffs. As we talk through it, I'm, 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 I feel bad for the conferences that are basically just being lifted out. Right. But as, but as, a, as a fan that wants to see the best of the US, best, USC <clears throat> play Michigan. Week one, I think it, it might. It's greedy. Well, I'm interested to see if the Big but I Ten's... think if it works, people will care less about the greed because right. it's going to be entertaining, right? And that's how football the, gets if, us every if, time. If the, if the big house is a hundred, like I think it's like a hundred seven thousand people or some somewhere crazy like that. If they can get forty thousand USC fans. With that 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 burgundy with the with the maize and blue, I think that in of itself is gonna make people forget how greedy oh, the process was to make it. But I think the I think potentially the entertainment that's if they keep if they keep the structure, if they keep it to where listen, I'm getting Oregon versus Iowa or you know, Michigan versus UCLA. I think I think people are being. I think people come come on board. Yeah, they'll come on board. Like like I said, because 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 I think the problem is the matchups we weren't getting in the championship game was like really upsetting people. Like well, when, the, only, the only problem is the, the only problem is if we do get to that point of AFC NFC, you know, what do you do with all this alumni of the schools that aren't a part of the club anymore? They're gonna have to just. They got. Not, they got to get. They got to get one of their tech billionaires because every college probably has at least. No, I'm just saying those are the people that you probably lose, which are like boosters and people that you know like donate all that money. Those are the people I think that people you're still want to be close to a winner. If you're winning, people still want to be close. No, but but I'm saying, but what do you do? So like, so if like if we end up in this like era of like 32 teams or whatever, you know, and you know, Fox and ESPN jostling for position. Yeah. But then, but then, like you know, you're a Pitt alumni. Like, is there a second tier of college football now? So right now, we got FBS and FCS. So are we going to have like FBS, 
FBBS or whatever in the middle. And, yeah, like a minor and, league and, champion. Yeah, is that going to have a following? And then still FCS or whatever. Like, 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 is it going to be worth it? It'll be worth it to those people. But but now is the regular Joe Blow going to watch Pitt against Virginia Tech now? I mean, if you if you, if it's on ESPN, I don't think you need a separate championship because I don't think everybody was really. I don't think every school was in position to even win championships. But if you're not included, you got to have something, or people are but just playing just to play. Been, Pitt hasn't been included for years. I know. Rutgers hasn't been included. Like your talent hasn't got. But now you. But now you have an opportunity, I guess. But where you, though? Like you know, I don't really. I think no. You I just create what, something. You just create something. I think you just take the money. I think you just stay where you are and just keep getting the money because, Ruck, like you said, Rutgers has thirteen Big Ten wins and thirty nine double digit. Oh, you said twenty point losses. Yeah, yeah. and it might so even get thirteen total losses. wins. Yeah, and thirty nine twenty point losses. You know, you were eliminated. Right now, those guys are at practice. They are sleeping right now. They got practice in the morning. They know they're not national title contenders. Mm-hmm. They don't have the talent. You know, Deion said it about Jackson State playing. He's like, we can't play against guys like Alabama. He's like, he's like, those guys are too big up front. Like, you know, you know the talent level that you have as a school. So Washington, maybe they had a good year with a good quarterback when they had like that dude Browning and whatever. They made a good run at it, but they know year in a year out they're not a thirteen and no. But e- but even outside the playoff, like the bowl games are horrible now. You know, players aren't playing in the bowl games and all that, so that's already started, and it's just a trickle down effect. So so as you cut these teams out, and these are literally the only teams even playing at this level, playing against. So each now other. maybe you get you get a lot of conference USA versus Big Twelve teams. So you get. You'll get UAB versus Oklahoma State in a bowl game, and then yeah, maybe, and, and Oklahoma State ain't going to care. Maybe somebody gets relegated. Like we, may, you have to start instituting some some European. See soccer. now that now that could work, but they ain't gonna never agree to that because then yeah, because I'm not giving up this fifty million dollars because right. you know my quarterback was terrible. Like now nah, I'm taking this right. cash, and there you go. So, so like, I mean, it's, it sounds we had a great conversation about it, but when it boils down to it, man, follow the money. Follow the money. And if it's entertaining, people will ignore how the money got there. Yes, sir. And follow like sports. And follow sports reports as ordered. You know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all of it. Like, review, subscribe. It's all free. Me and Mr. Free. Logical are here for you. This we are not scamming show. you. Yeah, we are not free. scammers. You know, saying? Scam so whoever, yeah, so whoever posted you, that, Kenneth. you eat shit. You know Listen, Kenneth, we're not scamming you. All right. Chuck, we're not <laughs> scamming you. Yeah. I remember your names. Doesn't make any sense, man. Like you got your little restaurant down there in Miami, established since 1961. Like at least make your page private if you're gonna talk this much slickness. Cause yeah. you know. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So it's yo, digital, man. Like it's, it's not that hard to find. So yo, we got the <laughs> so we got the NFC West left before we hit the AFC. So you know, like uh Preview season is here. You know, we got some more previews coming for you in the near future. You we'll know talk more saying? college football. More college football. Season is about three weeks away, you know. So you're going to see that sparkle in my eye. You know say You're going to see that gleam and that million-dollar smile. So, you know, please check us out. Leave us feedback, positive or otherwise. You know, give us questions, 
You got the email address. Hit us up. Sports reports is ordered. Two five. Mr. Logical. We love you. We out.